Well, good morning, good morning. If it, whoever doesn't know me here, I'm Jake. I'm the Life Group Director here and really, really excited today to, to dive into the teaching. We've, we've been spending some time here uh, the last couple of weeks in regards to prayer. Brandon's covered uh, a bunch of that, but you can pray for me. I'm still recovering. Yesterday I had my four-year-old's birthday party. Uh, that was chaos, right? Jeez. 15 kids running around in our small house. No, it was a lot of fun. Uh, really, you know, I love to see the excitement. My, fun, my son is so animated. He takes after his mom in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, but he, every single time he gets a present, he's all excited. It's just really fun to, uh, to get together and celebrate our kids, right? So um, anywho, so we're talking about prayer. And this is something for me, it's near and dear to my heart. I've, I've, uh, it's something that about 15, 16 years ago, um, I had a mentor who really pressed it upon me and showed me what it looked like um, to have a real relationship with the Lord where I'm digging in every day, I'm coming after him, I'm seeking his face. And what a model that was early on in my uh, Christian walk to be able to have that uh, mentor and that uh, person to be able to show me what it looks like. So over time, I've developed uh, this prayer journey, this, this relationship with the Lord, but it didn't always come so easy. It wasn't something that I just picked up one day and got really good at. Um, early on in my uh, in starting to become intentional with uh, you know, walking with the Lord in, in my prayer life, um, I had to just start somewhere. We all have to just start somewhere. And what's cool about prayer is, as Brandon talked about in the first week of, in the series, prayer gives us access to our Father, our Creator. And then the second week, we looked at how, why we pray, right? Why do we do the things that we do in order to communicate with our Lord? And that's what the second week was all about, is we have a chance to communicate with our Creator each and every day. We just need to make the choice to go and do it, right? So, for me, though, prayer is really a big part of what I do. It's a big part of my life. It's what carries me through. But there's other areas, obviously, that I might not be so strong at. Um, fasting is something that I um, have worked on but struggled with for a long time. And it's still something I am actively trying to get better at, but not something I'm great at, right? We all have areas uh, that we're trying to make better as we pursue becoming more Christ-like. So today, I'm really excited to dig in, talk about the impact prayer had in my life, um, as I've been intentional each and every day to, uh, to get to know the Lord and, and to be more and, and grow more and become Christ-like. So quick story to share about all this. Um, about 10 years ago, I was actually in a really rough place. I found myself really at a place where I lost basically full control of my life, and God put me in a place where I had to cry uncle. And uh, it was a scary place at the time, but looking back and seeing all the things that God did along the way through that journey, um, it's actually pretty mind-blowing to me to see where I am today. So when I, when I started to go through that process of healing and my brokenness, God really put me in a place where um, I had to go out and seek his face because I needed to be healed. I didn't want to live in the place that I was living 10 or 12 years ago. So with that, my place to find the Lord early on in my, in my walk with the Lord was to go out into the woods and to just walk and pray and see deer and look at the nature around me. And that's where I seemed to just um, find my peace. 
So when I started on this journey, I, I decided I was going to be uh, go to a, a specific place each and every day. So there was a bridge. There's a picture on your screen. And so each and every morning, I began on a quest. I wasn't going to feel this way anymore. I needed God to heal me. And I wanted him to take over my life because I really messed it up in my own strength. So that bridge, in my brokenness, I began to go there every day and I started to cry out to God. I got real with them. I said, Lord, you need to help me. You got to take away this pain. I can't do this anymore. I need you to fix this. And day after day, I would put on worship music. I would drive my 15 minutes out to this bridge and I would cry out to God, help me. I need you to fix this. And I'm sure there's people in this room today that are in a place where you feel like you got nothing left. And God is waiting for us, waiting for you to say, Lord, I need you. Help me. So as in all of that, as we walk through my story here, I did this for about two years where every single morning I pursued him. I needed him. I went after God like my life depended on it. And truly, it actually did because I was 30 years old and I was a mess. But what I learned and what happened was God began to change me. God began to heal me. And what I saw is that when I sought him first, when we seek him first, we're going to find the peace and joy that we long for. We're going to be healed of our brokenness. And in praying real deep prayers that I had to pray because I didn't know what else to do because I couldn't continue to feel this way, I grew more intimate with him. He changed me. And our relationship together changed. It was, uh, looking back, those last 10 years, like I said, I have so many answered prayers. Um, to go a little deeper, I, was going, I went through a really hard divorce. Um, and here I am now. Uh, my wife and I are married eight years this year. Got two beautiful boys. My stepdaughter, or her stepdaughter, Lizzie, my daughter, Lizzie. And God has just completely uh, changed it. And I'm blown away. But I look back at those prayers for those two years that I began on that journey. I was longing for something and God filled the longing and blew my mind in that pursuit. So we're going to shift gears. We're going to jump into the Bible really quick here. Um, I love here what what Matthew, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. That's where we're going to be hanging out. Um, But I talk about, I was seeking God in order to find him because I needed him to heal me. I love what Matthew 6.33 says here. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But I love, there's a, Charles Spurgeon, if you don't know who he is, look him up. He puts it really, really good in the fact that there's a lot of grace that goes with this. It says, the gifts of grace are not enjoyed all at once by believers. Pointing unto Christ, we are saved by a true union with him, but it is abiding, that means daily going out and pursuing, in that union, that we further receive the purity, the joy, the power, the blessedness, which are stored up in him for his people. Are there things in your life that you need healing from? I think we all could probably say yes to that. Do you need God to show up in your life right now? Seek him and watch how he shows up. I can promise you as you begin that journey, he will. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about what is prayer? Why do we do it? And what's cool is, is we have access 
to our creator. The creator of the universe is waiting for us to say, hey, I'm here. I need you. I want to know you. Please help me. So today we're going to be looking at, like I said, Matthew 6, 5 through 13. We're talking about how to pray. And I'm sure many of us in this room have heard this prayer prayed one way or another, but it's the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use that as our backdrop today to understand how we're we're going to go and pray to our Creator. So to paint the picture, Jesus' disciples got a front row seat to see Jesus make wine out of water. That's fun. To heal people, bring them back from the dead, tell people to get up and walk when they haven't walked. There's all kinds of things that the disciples witnessed, right? When they got to see and walk with him every single day. What a journey that must have been. But it's funny because the one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach him more than anything else was, and I know it's because they saw what he had and what he was doing and they wanted that too, but it comes back to, Lord, teach me how to pray. They asked him to teach them how to pray. So the backdrop we're in is, open up your Bibles here. We're going to be in Matthew 6, like I said, 5 through 13. I'm going to read it for us now. It should be on our screen as well. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's the reward they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. How cool is that? He says, pray like this. We all know this one. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. See, what's cool is, is Jesus was painting a picture and giving us a model as to how to pray. It doesn't say, go and pray this prayer. It says, here's your model. Go out and make it your own. But I love it. Jesus, is, he's brilliant in how he, he taught his disciples and how we get to learn from him today. But what's interesting is before he goes out in his, in his prayer and tells them how to pray, he gives them a couple of warnings. See, he knew people learned one of two ways. People learn what to do, and people learn what not to do. It was also pointing their hearts into the right direction here. So again, when we come and we start to pray, one thing that I learned along the way when I began on that journey to my bridge is I put worship music on on my way there because I wanted to get my heart and my mind aligned with him. I wanted to eliminate distractions. I wanted to be in a place where I could hear him, I could talk to him, and it would be a two-way conversation, not just me telling them everything um, that I need. So in Matthew 6, 5, it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. See, the reason Jesus brought this up in the backdrop here is that there were people that would come and go to the temple and they would wait, and they knew the busiest time that everybody would be out and about. 
And they'd go out there and they would pray these grand prayers. And they would like, it would be all about, look at me. They wanted everyone to hear how holy they were, but they weren't really trying to talk to God. They were all about getting the attention and not connecting with God. See, prayer is about being, not doing. And in our being is when it's not about look at me or helping somebody pray this grand prayer. It's really about connecting ourselves with God. So what's crazy is, is in the Bible, there's a word, there's a Greek word he uses, Hippocrates, which means stage actors. If you think about that, he's calling these hypocrites stage actors. Now, me in elementary school, and I'm sure many of the men in the room can relate to this, maybe we, we did things a little bit more above and beyond for the girls that were watching because we knew they were watching, right? Maybe we'd go out and make a big play. And for me, it was recess, right? I always went out and, and tried to uh, you know, get the most touchdowns, make the most interceptions, be the kid that everybody gets to love and watch. I actually have a cool story back in elementary school. I, um, my buddy and I, we, we used to play kill the carry. When we went to that week that we went to uh, nature's class in fifth grade, never forget it, one of the best school weeks of my life, we had like 40 of us playing kill the carrier out on the sand on the beach in Cape Cod. And my buddy and I made up this grand plan. I, I, there was this girl that was there I had a crush on at the time, and we, we were going to you know, be the cool ones that separated ourselves from everybody else. So we had this plan where he was going to run with the ball and I was going to get underneath him and flip him up in the air and kind of like make this great tackle that everybody was going to be like, oh, this is great. So we set it up and sure enough, he comes running over, comes underneath his legs. I flip him over the air. He does a somersault over my back and lands on his feet and keeps going. It was actually pretty incredible. The chaperones later on were like, you guys are crazy, but that was pretty cool. But it wasn't about anything other than look at me. And so if you think about these hypocrites, their, their one and only goal was to make themselves look better. And Jesus said they got their reward. And we all know, thinking through what that could be, uh, it's just crazy to me that um, how selfish we as humans can be as a result. Moving on, Matthew 6, verse 7. It says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered simply by repeating these words again and again, and again. In 1 John 5.14, it says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he'll give us what we ask. See, it's not about us, but our prayers need to come from our hearts. We need to be confident God is listening because he is, and that he hears us when we pray. See, battling on in front of the temple does more hurt than good. Offering our prayers to God is no different than having a conversation with our spouse or partner. It builds intimacy. And if I babbled on time after time and used crazy words, my wife would be like, what are you talking about, you weirdo, right? It's no different. Having a relationship with God, having conversations with God is the same as having conversations with our spouse or partner. And we, we, time after time, guilty as charged. I've made it about myself in my conversation, you know, talking and talking and talking and not even doing any listening in that two-way conversation. 
So the babbling, sometimes we talk so much we don't get to hear anything because we're saying too much. That's a hard one for me to get because I love to talk. If anybody in this room knows me, that's one of my favorite things. See, we must be careful that our prayers are more about growing than getting. See, God's not a genie and he wants our best. God wants us to become more Christ-like and he wants us to be real with him. That's the whole thing. I think about in the Bible when God asked Adam, hey, Adam, where are you after they hid when they ate the fruit? God didn't ask Adam because he didn't know where he was. God asked Adam because he wanted Adam to tell him so he could have that relationship, that two-way connection, the communication. He wants us to be real with him so he can know us. And it's wanting what he has for us and knowing that he knows best and loves us. So after the warning, it says, careful. Don't go out in the middle of, nowhere, in the middle of everybody and pray. Go to private. Pray by yourself. Make it about your heart. He also says, don't go babble. Say foolish things so you can't hear. You're always talking. Shut up and listen, Jake. Switching over now to how to pray, I think in this prayer, there's a lot of things to think about as we align our hearts to him. But really what it comes down to is Jesus is giving a model in how we're supposed to communicate. First part, it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. First off, our Father. Previous to this, there was people that interceded for them talking to God. Jesus blew the minds of these of the Jewish people because now he said, our Father. He just made it personal. He just gave us a direct line to our Creator outside of the norm. So their minds were blown right away from that. And then it says, may your name be kept holy. There's a pastor, um, one of my favorite pastors, his name is Francis Chin. And whenever he, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to do this right now, but whenever he has a, a sermon, he always starts out his sermons with, take a deep breath. I'm going to have everybody here. Just take a deep breath. You know what's cool about that? God decided we get to have that breath. So when we think about keeping his name holy, he's the creator of the universe. He's in charge of it all. When you're praying, do you think about him that way? When you're having your conversation, you're telling him what you need? But Jesus made it personal. He did something no one ever had done before in calling him Father, and this changed the way we pray forever. In that second part, the big part is, are we... In, are we have, keeping his name in reverence when we begin our conversation? So remember who God is. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. The next part, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6.10. See, may your kingdom come. <clears throat> that's a prayer, right? There's all kinds of things going on in the world today. We all see the craziness that's happening. We got, in every area, in every facet of society, um, it seems to be crazy. But in that prayer, it's let your will 
what's happening in heaven come down on earth. And it can be globally as a world. It can be personally as us. Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done. And the second part of this is let your will be done. And this, I think, might be the most challenging part of this entire prayer, of model of prayer that we have here. Because that means my hands are up. My life is yours, Lord. Let your will be done in my life. Next one is give us today the food we need. And this is a dependence and a trust on God. Do we believe God is who he says he is? Do I believe he'll take care of me? See, in the Bible, there's a story about how when the Israelites with Moses, they would drop man, he would drop manna every day on the ground and they'd have their daily bread, their food that they needed for the day. But the Israelites, they decided they were going to hoard it because tomorrow might be a day where they won't get this manna that's fallen out of the sky every single day. So they start hoarding up their manna and what do you know? Their manna that they hoarded rots. Um, I think about that story a lot. Do we really believe God's going to take care of our needs for today? And as we started, he says it's, he's our father. So any good father is going to make sure we have what we need, right? It's a great way to think about it. And there's a name for God, um, Jehovah Jireh. And that speaks specifically to this, which means our provider. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is Matthew 6, 12. I think about this a lot. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. I don't know if I want him to actually do that. Am I really good at forgiving people? Ah, probably not. Am I glad God's way better at it than I am and I can walk in his grace? Absolutely. Right? And that's a process. That's a journey. Learning how to forgive takes, a, takes grace, takes mercy, and those things don't just happen overnight. I believe as we continue to walk and grow in the Lord, those things will get easier. But do I walk in humble forgiveness towards myself and towards others? That's a great question to think about in this. It's a reminder that we must confess that we have sinned. Some of us in this room, maybe you've never even done that before. Maybe your first step in prayer is to say, Lord, I've been selfish towards myself and to you, and today I want to take the step towards stepping into becoming your son or your daughter. Any good father wants the best, and he wants to teach us how to forgive others, and he wants to forgive us. He already has. He went to the cross. He died for us. That's already been taken care of. But what I do know is that all of us fall short, and that doesn't matter. What matters is, is we're daily working towards maybe one degree of growth, becoming more Christ-like. Something else to think about. This is in verse 14 and 15 of Matthew 6. It says, if you forgive those who sin against your heavenly Father, I will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. I'm just going to leave that right there. 
Moving on. It says here, do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Do I need protection? See, all of us are going to be tempted at some point with something. We all are. The goal is, is many times in the Bible, many people, different people prayed about putting on what they call the armor of God. And that's asking God to protect us in the different areas that we might be tempted in order that we can keep his name holy, he can rescue us, and we can walk as he'd have us walk today. But from the most spiritual person to the person that might be here just for the first time, I just want to say all of the things that I am referencing and talking through today, we all have to start somewhere on this path, somewhere on this journey. But I do know that when we ask him to protect us, I've seen it in my own life where there was things that I used to struggle with. And as a result of asking him for help in these areas, it began to get easier and easier to overcome those things. For me, personally, one of the biggest things that I get trapped with is self-doubt. Am I good enough? Do I do enough? And that can cause a whole bunch of other issues if I don't pay attention and be intentional with letting God help me with not doing that. See, there's a common theme that we just walk through in this model that Jesus gave us. It's about God's glory showing up and being glorified through our lives. It's not about us. It's about him. Do we trust he is who he says he is? I ask myself that question a lot. Are we willing to give up our lives to gain the things that God wants us to, get, wants us to have? Are we willing to pray, your will be done? See, Jesus is showing us that our prayers are most powerful when we come to the end of ourselves and humbly realize our need for him. Are we spending time with him? Do we see him as our father? My challenge to you today, take the next week, set an alarm on your phone, pray some prayers each and every day, anything and everything. It could be, Lord, help me today, I need you. It's as simple as that. And begin to watch how God shows up in all of it. For myself personally, when I, was, when I was going to that bridge, I put more tears on that bridge. I cried. I yelled. I laughed. God got to see all of me. But any, you know, for me, it, it reminds me of a picture of my relationship with my dad growing up. And I know for some people, um, it might not be the same situation, the same story. I want to be empathetic towards that. But for me personally, my father... Um, one of the things that he taught me that I try to do with my boys is to um, the time of in your moment of face-to-face time is more important than anything else that might be going around around me. And he always took the time to, to cuddle with me, to hug me, to tell me, you know, he loved me. And I think about that with my relationship with the Lord too, because he's up there saying the same thing. I want to know you more. I love you. But jumping in here to Matthew 5, 3, says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I heard a quote recently, and it was a great one. It says, 
A broken spirit is the key to redemptive prayer. How do we pray? We come humbly to him knowing we need him. And we talk to him about what's on our hearts and minds. We share our feelings, our emotions, and our heart each and every day. Because prayer, through this model, it shows us that it needs to be personal. So we looked at the two warnings. We walked through the model and how to pray. Now, how do we go about and apply this to our everyday? Well, it starts with how we think about prayer. Are we treating it as a communication between ourselves and our Creator? Are we taking the time to listen, not just tell Him all the things that we need? Are we coming to God as our personal Father? Because how we see Him will help us in how we pray. Are we asking? Are we listening? Like I said, just take a few minutes each day to start talking to God and then see how He shows up. I believe consistency um, is a big part of um, how God can move in our lives as we begin that prayer journey. Next, remember that Jesus gave us this model on how to pray. It's not a prayer we pray verbatim, but we take and we can put that into our own words based on where we are, based on where our heart is, where our minds are. Maybe you want to go out and just take a line from this and, and start praying that. Maybe it's, Lord, I've been selfish today. Forgive me. Maybe it's, Lord, just give me what I need today. The goal is to make it your own. Another great way to pray is to pray verses of the Bible. Maybe there's a, a Bible verse that, open up your Bible, and I think there's someone back to some of these seats. You got your phone. Lots of different ways to, to do that. But grab a Bible, open it up, find a verse that jumps out at you, and remind him of his own words. He wants to hear that. It's a powerful way to pray. There also could be times where we don't know how to pray. And I love what it says in Romans 8.26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit's already doing it for us. But as prayer is supposed to be conversational, two-way communication. It's listening and telling him what we need, thanking for who he is. It says, make your requests known and then listen for your answers. And I know myself included can get so busy that even when we pray and ask God for things, we're so busy doing stuff that we don't actually slow down to hear the answer. And lastly, You may just need to take a minute and say, Lord, sorry I've been running. I'm ready now. And if that's you today and you're ready to do that, I'd love to have a conversation with you after church, after service today. I'll be out in the Connection Center. I'd love to pray with you. The Bible says when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. Maybe that's the first step in your prayer journey. And here we are. I'm going to close this out. You pray with me. I'm going to pray the prayer in my words. Dad, 
I'm in awe of you. Thank you for who you are and all you have done for me. I know I can do things selfishly and need you to help me remember you are in control. Today I let go of what I want and I give you my life. Can you ensure I get what I need for the day and I'm not worried about tomorrow? Help me to have grace for those in my life that offend me. I know that you have forgiven me and I want to forgive others the same. Help me when I make it about myself and to remember it's not about me, but about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good? Jake, you did an awesome job, man. That was so good.